Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we usually start each episode with a clip from our guest. However, this episode is going to be a little different. We actually have four guests on this episode, believe it or not. And I thought it just might be a little overkill to select four different clips. So we decided just to skip that part. This episode is special in that I've got four newly minted CPAs, so to speak, that are going to share their insights on both the review course that they took to help them get prepared, as well as some of their study habits and just overall the process they went through to prepare for the exam. My hope is that if you are personally either on the fence as to whether or not to pursue the CPA exam, or if you've already decided to do it, but you're still considering the best way to prepare, that you can get a real ground level view into how it worked for others who are already where you wanna be. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode as well at our home website, www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We're going to have links to all the various review programs that they mentioned in the show. Here we go with our special CPA exam review episode and our four even more special guests. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Uh, you're oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Wonderful, guys. Well, this episode's going to be a little different. As you probably noticed, for our audience, I've been wanting to do an episode on CPA review courses for a while now, and I have four fairly new CPAs on the line. They're going to share their experiences with us, and this is the first for me as well. I've interviewed two people at a time on the podcast, but four will be a little unique. So to our listeners, please be patient with me. I really feel like certification can make a huge difference in your career, and I'm just a big believer in it. I'm a CPA myself, and since the CPA certification is so well-known, I figured that would you know, be a good one to start with. I, I want to throw in one caveat there. I fully recognize that there are many certifications for accountants out there, and they all have value, and I, I very sincerely mean it. We're just starting with the CPA certification because it's an easy topic for me. So we're going to get some really good feedback from our guests today, and hopefully this will give you, the listeners, some insight into all the tools that are available for you out there in the market. Let's sort of do roll call so that the audience knows everybody mm-hmm. that's on the phone. First of all, we have Brian Morgan that's going to give us his insights and thoughts on his use of Becker CPA Review. Brian? Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Morgan. I'm a Salt Financial Services Tax Associate with PricewaterhouseCoopers in Austin, Texas. And I've been a CPA for a little over a year and excited to share my knowledge. Good deal. And for the listeners, actually, Brian's been a guest on the show. If you want to go back in the archives, he was in the first 10 episodes. So, We also have Josefina Castillo or Josie. 
Josie's going to talk about Wiley. Hi, everyone. My name is Josie Castillo. I'm a recent CPA. got my license last year. I'm working for a private firm right now as a financial planning and an analysis manager. <laughs> Perfect. We have Michelle Herring. And Michelle is going to share her insights and, and sort of experience with Roger's CPA review. Michelle? Hi, I'm an enterprise risk manager with Randolph Brooks Federal Credit Union, and I just became a CPA about six months ago. Ooh, wow. I didn't realize it was that recent. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, <laughs> freshly minted. <laughs> <laughs> and wrapping it up, we have Claude Chanchi, who's going to talk about his experience with Glime CPA Review. Hello, Claude. Hello, Mark. And Hello to the listeners. My name is Claude Chanji, and like Michelle, I'm a newly minted CPA. I got my license in February of this year, and I currently work as a risk analyst with USAA in San Antonio, and I've been with them for about two years now. Wow. Good deal. Good deal. If I needed some accounting done, I've got the right group on the phone for this. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Well, let's start with, I guess, how everybody decided what course to take in the first place. Because I know there's there's a lot more options out there in the market than there used to be if you go back, you know, 20 years or so. Josie, I guess, first with you, how did you decide on on using Wiley and sort of what was your process like in, in doing research? For me, it was really the funds. The cost of buying their test bank really drew me to them. And I had also done some research online and I had seen some really good reviews from people who had used their software. So I paid around, when I purchased it at the time, it was about $150 per section for the test bank, which included multiple choice, the simulations, and practice exams. Okay. Okay. How about you, Brian? You used Becker. Where did you first hear about Becker? How did you decide on them? Well, in my case, Becker was paid for by the firm, by PwC. So the cost wasn't as much of an issue for me. But going through school, I'd heard quite a few (laughs) good things about Becker. In fact, I remember I was at a CPA Society event for students. And they went around the room to all the CPAs who were there speaking and asked, what did you use? And I think out of the seven or eight that were there, six of them had used Becker and had nothing but great things to say about it. So the firm, like I said, for me, the firm paid for it, but I still think I would have gone Becker having heard all the good things I'd heard about it in the past. Okay. Uh, that's one of the older review courses out there. It's been around a long time. It doesn't surprise me. Michelle, what about you? You used Rogers. That's got real good yeah. reviews. Well, I really enjoyed it. The reason I chose it was because when I did my research initially, it was the least expensive. And I got not only a test bank, a multiple choice test bank, as well as a simulation test bank. I also got hard copies of the books and and an online system as well. So I got several things for one group price and I got access to all of it for an 18 month period. Okay. And wrapping it up, Claude, I guess, how did you come across Glime? Uh, when I was in, uh, in graduate school for my master's in accounting, one of my professors was the campus rep for Glime. So he had given us homework through Glime, I think, one or two times. So after that, it was easy to use, and I got sold on it. And then after that, when I was in my final semester, they were offering a special for students 
At the time, I paid about, I think, $1,000 for all the four parts. And it came with hard copies of books and soft copies as well. And then we have a we had a test banks for multiple choice questions and simulations and videos for lectures and audio lectures if you choose. And then it came with a bag as well. So you have a, we had a bunch of stuff that, I mean, I think provided great value for the money that I paid. So that's the reason why I went with Climb. Okay. It sounds like cost in, entered into most people's decision making, which makes all the sense in the world. I have not yes. researched this in a while, and I'm not sure who'd be the best person to answer this. But is is there a wide variety in cost? Are we talking you know a couple thousand dollars difference you know between packages, or you know a few hundred, I, or does anybody? I know? think if you're if you're piecemealing it together, the price varies unless you want the full package. It gets more costly, but you get, of course, more bang for your buck. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that to say that, I mean, when I got Glime, and I think they still have it, so Glime is access until you pass. So if you fail a section, you just call them and then they reset your material and all that, and they just reset it, and then you just send them maybe your score to say that that shows that you failed, and then you redo it. But in terms of pricing, I think when I was researching so far, Becca was the most expensive. I don't know if that's changed now, but generally, Becca is the most expensive from my research. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with Claude. I think Becker is somewhere, when you buy it as a set, I think it's somewhere like around $3,500 or $3,600, which is, I think, at least 1500 above the next most expensive option. So it's definitely yeah. kind of the, the, the Cadillac uh, version of the review course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think a lot of that has to do with you're getting what you pay for in, in my experience because it has all the books, hard copies of the books, and electronic. I think a set of like 4,000 multiple choice questions, number of sims, all the lectures. And now they're recently, I think it started right before when I first got mine, but now they're including flashcards as part of the package for free. And you get both hard copy flashcards and digital flashcards using their app. And that was one of the things I really, really liked was those, those digital flashcards because you could just, you know, for those people that, that really like flashcards, you could just pull up your phone, open up the app, and just start reviewing whenever you had 10 or 15 minutes of time. But uh, yeah, De- Becker is definitely head and shoulders more expensive than all the other review courses. Okay. Okay, thank you. You know, and actually, I, I forgot who made this comment, but, but I wrote a note about access, unlimited access, basically, until you pass the exam. Do any of the review courses that y'all took not give you access until you pass? Glime does. Glime does give you access until you pass. But I think some courses give you 18 months access. I don't know. Maybe Brian can speak to that. Yeah, I know, Becker, you get 18 months to start with. And they have a, I think they call their their Becker guarantee where you have to do all the homework, all this, basically you have to do all the work and use all the materials they provide and get like a certain score that, you know, show that, hey, I put in all the effort, I did everything I need to do and I still didn't pass. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think you can get another 18 months. There's a fee associated with it, but I think it's it's pretty small. It's like $150, which you know, for basically renewing it, you know, with that that big upfront cost, it's 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 kind of worth it. That's one thing I know. Becker gets kind of a bad rap for is, in order to get more than 18 months, you do have to you know pay another amount. 
Okay. Wiley, or excuse me, Josie, do, do you remember how <laughs> do you remember how Wiley works in that respect? From my understanding, there was also about the eighteen months. Okay. And Michelle access. Rogers. Yeah, Rogers gives you access to everything you purchased for eighteen months, so you don't have to do anything. There's no proof required. You just get access for eighteen months from the time that you purchase. Okay. All right. So it sounds like that 18 months is sort of a standard. It's just a matter of what the small print is around that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hadn't thought to ask that, but that is a a very important point. So Brian mentioned the flashcards and as one of the things that he really found helpful with Becker. Michelle, as long as we're talking with you, what, what did you find most helpful about Rogers? What did you particularly like about them? Honestly, the thing that I liked most and the thing that I found most helpful was Roger actually does the lectures, and when you're watching him, he's very goofy, but in a good way. It makes you remember the material. So he'll joke around, he'll sing songs, he's got all kind of mnemonic devices, but it really, when you get into that exam and you're so focused on the question, you remember those crazy little things, and that's kind of what helps you get past any nerves or any hurdles you may have. Okay. Does he record every video himself? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Josie, what about Wiley? Well, I actually didn't do the online, the audio. I did Roger's audio, actually. And I have the same comments as Michelle. Um, He's hilarious. He made it interesting. I was engaged the whole time, and I wanted to learn more. He really did keep my attention. Interesting. Okay. And you, that's right. You use the test bank with Wiley. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. What about you, Claude? What did you find the, the most helpful aspect of using Glime? There are a bunch of them, but if I have to pick one, I'll go for the number of questions that they had because, I mean, obviously you can study the material all you want. If you can't apply them to answering questions, then <laughs> there's no way you can pass the exam. So, I think what I like most with Glam is that they had almost an unlimited question bank with a great number of questions and uh, task-based simulations, which I think uh, went a long way to prepare me for the exam. So I'll, I'll take that one. Okay. Does Glam have an audio or, or video component? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. They have an audio and a video so it's up to you because the way their course is structured, they have, when you just get into, the, for each chapter, they have an, a multiple choice, multiple, about 20 multiple choice questions that you take just to see where you are, if you recall anything from your school, where, from when you were in school. So you take that and then see if you score maybe 40%, and then it gives you a report, a diagnostic report in terms of what areas you're weak in and things like that, and then you can decide to focus just on those or go through the whole lecture. So they have the courses, so the review material, and then they have a video of it, and then they have the audio. So I typically used all of them because I used the audio most of the time when I was driving because I had the app, so I would just download the audio and then just be listening to it while I'm driving. And sometimes when I, was, when I really had a lot of time, I would go through the videos because I felt the videos were redundant for me because I had just come out of graduate school with my master's in accounting. So a lot of those, those stuff was still kind of fresh in my mind. So I just went through the review material. So they had all of those things that came in the package. 
Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I listen to podcasts on the way to work and sometimes on the way home. And I never thought about studying for the CPA exam on the way to work <laughs> or on the way home. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would just be like to refresh your memory because, I mean, you know, accounting is like, I mean, you study by doing, especially when if you have to do uh, journal entries and stuff like that. So most of the time it's just listening to them, especially in, it was really helpful for regulation for me because most of those, I mean, tax laws and the uniform commercial code, all things related to that, I mean, it's just a lot of material. So it just depends. I wonder, <laughs> wonder if you can get out of a traffic ticket with that excuse. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it was, it, was through, it was through the Bluetooth on my car. So, I mean, it's not, I wasn't using my cell phone because it was connected to my car. So it's like listening oh, no. to music while driving. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm just kidding. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to show my age here a little bit. Brian, when I took Becker, you know, this was back when there were only a couple options, and I actually attended a live class where someone sat up there, and we heard Newt Becker's voice and that kind of thing. Did you take any live classes, or is it pretty much all online now, and how does that work? So, for Becker, they offer, there's, I think there's three main things they offer. So, there's the self-study slash online. There's the live in person, and now what's interesting is what I think with their 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 I think this is pretty new. So I did not experience this, but talking to some of the folks in the office that are studying right now, they have a live online version. And I guess what it allows you to do is you attend the live class like through like a webcast almost. So you can be there live in person, like you know, with the instructor there to ask questions about things that you know, aren't clear to you through the lecture or the material, but you don't actually have to go be there in person. So you can, you know, be you know, in the office after work or at home or, you know, wherever, you know, wherever you can get just an internet connection and still attend the, the live class, so to speak. Interesting. Did so, you try that out at all? I did not. This, it was okay. a new option that came after I did the self-study. For me personally, I found... The self-study to be work best for me because of my I have I had a pretty hectic schedule because I was working while studying. So for some people, having that live class works for them because you have, hey, you know, I know every day to you know every week Tuesdays and Thursdays seven o'clock. That's when I go and I I do my live session. For me, I needed the flexibility to be able to go and say, okay, I have three hours today to study, so I need to be able to just pick it up and run with it when I have the time. So okay. the, the self-study worked better for, for me, for my schedule. Okay. Anybody else, Josie, Michelle, Claude, do you know if there's a, a live online kind of version? Blind doesn't have like a live class where somebody goes to. So theirs is just self-study, but they assign you a personal, they call it a personal counselor who is available by phone Monday through Friday and then email all the time. So, I mean, I personally never used it because I never found any reason to use that resource. So what they do is if you have anything that is challenging for you or that you can't understand, you give them a call and you set up an appointment with him or her, and then you can meet online or over the phone or some conference call or something and then go through it and then they they can explain to you how to, to solve the problem that you're having. But I never, I ne- that's what they have with, to every, with every candidate, but I, I never used it because I didn't find a reason. So. Okay. Rogers yes. is the same way. They, they do have 
like in-person classes, but that's only in California where he's at. But then they also have a component where you can either chat with, email, or call kind of a, an advisor so that if you have a specific question or concern, you can talk through it with someone who's already passed the exam. Okay. Did you or, or Josie, did you use that aspect of, of Rogers? No, I didn't. I did not. Okay. I did once to clarify something that I, I didn't quite understand from the lecture, just to get a little deeper understanding of, of some of the verbiage. So it was very helpful. Okay. And they were responsive and I mean, there wasn't... Oh, yeah. They got back to me. I chose to email. They got back to me within 24 hours. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about study habits and preparation time and, and that kind of stuff. Josie, what was your strategy? How did you go about studying and getting prepared for each section? And you know, how much were you studying? How often? What, what do you think is required? I tried the, the first time I took audit was my first exam, and I failed miserably. I, I didn't research online how to study for the exam. I just studied for it like I had college and high school for any test, but I took like three to six months of studying and I realized that's way too long to study. So I was trying to aim for six to eight weeks and I would take one week off before the exam from work because I was also working full time okay. to just study 24-7, just constant multiple choice questions. I had the audio as well in my car. I would have a Bluetooth speaker with me all over the house. I also had the flashcards with me everywhere I went. So I was constantly reviewing the flashcards any time I had available. And I also learned when I'm answering a multiple choice, just answer it one time. Don't answer the same one multiple times because at that point you're memorizing the answer and that won't help you when you're taking the exam since it's all application. Interesting. Michelle, what are your thoughts? How did you prepare? Well, one of the things that the Rogers course offers is they give you kind of a schedule and they base it on how long you want to take the test cycles in. So if you want to take all four tests in nine months, 12 months, or 18 months, they kind of give you a class schedule to tell you how often to study, how many chapters to go through each time you you study, and they break the chapters down into like units, so it tells you kind of how many units. I went by that, and it worked wonderfully, and then in addition to that, two to three days before my actual test, I took that time off work, and all I did was go through the test bank and take multiple choice questions and simulation questions and practice that way for the actual test. Okay. Okay. A lot of practice. What about you, Claude? How did you handle studying? I was working full-time as well, so it was kind of tricky for me. But Glime has what they call like a study planner. So you put in the when you intend to take the exam and then how many hours you intend to study per week and then put any times when you intend not to study and then it would kind of spit out the program for you and tell you that, okay, based on what you've put in, you should study or you will not finish because they have like a minimum of, I think, six six weeks or so to prepare, given the material if you're preparing full-time. 
So sometimes I'll put in the times that I want to study and when I intend to take the exam, I would say, and they would say, based on what I put in, I won't be able to finish the material before I take the exam. Because what they do is they block the last week before the exam just for review, practicing and all that, because they have some sort of a prototype exam that mirrors the CPA exam as it is. So you take that and you can be able to gauge where you are. So I studied typically about 20 hours a week because I'll come back from, from work and study for about maybe three hours or so. And then I'll go to, I'll go to sleep. I typically woke up at, at uh, sometimes at 3.30 a.m., sometimes at 4 a.m. I study before going to work. And then I took off, most of the time I took off like the last three days before my exam. And I usually typically put pressure on myself. So I'd, I'd schedule the exam first before I start studying. That way I know that, okay, the exam date is fast approaching. And that was kind of like a way for me to check myself as well and, and instill some self-discipline, basically. So, and I found out that that worked and I was able to do that and work around it because, I mean, Sometimes I couldn't study on the weekends because I'm a, I'm a big soccer guy. On my weekends, I have to play soccer. I have to watch soccer. So I typically do not study on Saturday and Sunday because that was reserved for my soccer. So I had to make my program around that. That way I can study and not give up like my, a lot in my life. So I mean, it worked for me and I was lucky to make it. Yeah. <laughs> soccer first, <laughs> CPA. <laughs> no, not soccer first. It's con- concurrently, I think. <laughs> Well, Brian, I left you for last because I, I know yeah. you're a real studious individual and I didn't want you to blow the bell curve on the front end. So tell us about your, <laughs> tell us about your study habits. <laughs> well, uh, in, interestingly enough, uh, here, in, here in Claude's experience, it almost mirrored mine. Same uh, like the other courses Becker has, like a functionality where you put in how many lessons you want to get through a week when your test date is and it spits out, okay, week one, you should get through this much material, week two, week three, so on and so forth. One thing I definitely want to highlight from what Claude said that I highly recommend is schedule your test date before you start studying because not only does that hold you accountable, but you don't want to spend, you know, four or five weeks studying and try to schedule it, you know, a week or two out only to find out that the days you want are not available. So definitely, definitely good word of advice is schedule the test either right after you started studying or before you started studying. I just like like Claude, I was studying probably about twenty to twenty two hours a week. Opposite though, I tried to put most of mine in on the weekends because I knew it would be hard for me to, you know, go work eight, nine, ten hours and then have to come home and try to force myself to study. So I tried to limit my study like Monday through Friday to maybe maybe an hour, hour and a half a day and put in most of my time on the weekends, which you know, hey, you, you lose your weekend time, but you, you gotta put it somewhere. The one thing I really like that Becker has is for each section, there's two full practice exams that mirror the actual exam like to the T. One thing I really like going back to keeping yourself accountable is with the Becker practice exams. It's just like the real thing, you know, the three test slips, the simulations and everything. I really like once you start it, there's no way to stop it. Once it's started, if you you need to take a break or, or whatever, your timer is still going. So it really helps you get a feeling for how well you need to pace yourself as you're working through the testlets. So that way you know what to expect on exam day. And they kind of give you that confidence booster of knowing, okay, well, you know, I took this Becker practice exam. I made basically a 76. That's a passing score. Knowing I still have a few days left to study, I should be able to increase that on the actual exam. Okay. 
And y'all all passed. You're already certified now, so these are fair questions. Michelle, was that you saying that you pre-scheduled it as well? Yeah, and not only that, not only did I pre-schedule, but I pre-scheduled because you're in a test window and you only have basically two months. I always tried to schedule not only up front, but I scheduled for the beginning window so that if I got along in my studying and I felt like I needed more time, I could try and maybe reschedule out a little bit farther. And it just helped in that way. Plus, if you wait till the last minute, you cannot find scheduling time because the last week of the last month is solidly booked. Mm. Okay. How about you, Josie? Did you pre-schedule as well? Uh, yes, I did. I would schedule out before I started studying and also to request the time off from work to make sure that it, it didn't interfere with our year-end or our quarterly closes. So okay. close had a lot to do with my schedule. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah we, and, we can't forget the all-important job that pays the bills while you're trying to do all the things. Oh, yeah, definitely. And on the scheduling, I mean, the thing when most of us were taking the exam, they hadn't extended it such that the first 10 days of the closed month is available. I think now it's different because now the first the months that are typically closed have the first 10 days available to take the exam. So I think that's another plus that the new candidates can work with. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. One last thing I want to add, Mark. Something that I did and I try to, I suggest to everyone else who's working their way through the exams is I always had at least two sections scheduled and not necessarily like the actual final date, like in, you know, put them with Prometric, but I had it, you know, written on my calendar. Okay. I'm going to take this section at the beginning of August and this other section in, you know, the first week of October or, you know, whatever the case may be. And the reason I did that and I recommend that is because life happens. You, you never know when you're going to have to push that exam date back. One of the things you want to keep in mind is, okay, that first section I need to push back. You, and you get that and you understand. Yeah. But you also want to make sure that pushing that one back, okay, does that not leave me enough time for the next section I plan to take so that I need to push that one back as well? Or you know, am I good to leave that one where it's at? You know, I lost maybe, maybe a week, but there's still enough time between the first section and the second section for me to get all my studying in. Okay. Well, like I mentioned, I, I wouldn't be asking some of this stuff if, if y'all hadn't passed, but y'all are all past that point. So <laughs> it's all fair game <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Josie, let's start with you on this. What was the most challenging thing? about passing the exam. And also, I'd like to know from everybody which part they found the hardest, just from a personal standpoint. For me, was to put all my personal life, social life aside, because I am a mother as well. So having kids and trying to study and having quiet time and being able to focus. So I also found that for me, doing 10 multiple choice questions at a time and getting my grades or my results also helped me feel like I was progressing and moving forward, especially with the constant distractions in my life. So that, that really helped me. But that was really, really challenging is the amount of effort and time it really takes to sit down and really comprehend and absorb all of the data. Because from what I was told, it's, each exam is like six college courses in one. <laughs> So it, it's a lot of information to try to recall when you're under pressure and when you're taking the exam. I don't know if it's still the same, but at that point, the time would continue to tick, even if you took a restroom break. 
So every minute counted, every second counted. Sure. Which part did you find the most challenging? Which section? For me, it was regulation only because I'm not a tax accountant. So okay. That one was very challenging for me. Okay. What about you, Brian? For me, most challenging was just trying to find the time to study. I don't know if everybody's like this, but for me, like to get like a real good solid study session in, I need a few hours. I'm not one of those people that can kind of pick up half an hour here and, you know, 35 minutes there. Like I need to be able to have enough time to go through the lecture, digest it, and then start on some questions while it's fresh in my mind to see, okay, how much of this did I actually retain after just watching that? So I try to find blocks of time, you know, three to four hours where I could study. That was the hardest part is with everything that life throws at you is trying to find, okay, where with everything I'm doing each week, where can I put in those three to four hour blocks of time to get solid studying in, in between work and, you know, family life, spending time with friends and everything else that you have to do. Sure. Which part did you find the most challenging? So for me, the most challenging, and I think a lot of people will say this was, was far just for the sheer amount of information that's in there. But I will say I actually found, I was actually surprised at how difficult I found BEC simply because like FAR, FAR and BEC are similar in that they each had buckets of information that don't touch. So BEC, for example, has some stuff on finance, some stuff on information systems, some stuff on cost accounting. On risk, on risk management, on uniform commercial code. And none of those buckets touch each other. Whereas yeah. with reg and audit, you know, a lot of this, a lot of things overlap. So, you know, weakness in one area, you can kind of compensate with strength in another. But for both FAR and BEC, since you have bucket A, bucket B, bucket C, like if you don't do well in bucket B, there's no other bucket that kind of covers that to help you. So I was a little surprised. That was actually my lowest score, BEC, believe it or not. Okay. Okay. Claude, what are your thoughts? You were, you were chiming in there a little bit. What did you find yeah. most challenging? I found far most challenging, and that was my lowest score, and that's the exam I took the last. I think it's because of so much information that it has, and I think one of the, one of the reasons and debates that we've always, ha- always had is the rules-based nature of accounting. And so having to settle and fit in within those rules, I mean, I worked in accounting back in my country, and we use a mixture of international financial reporting standards and some, some rules of a bunch of African countries that came together. So I'm more versed with international financial reporting standards. So most of the time, U.S. GAAP rules were kind of challenging. So I struggled a lot in the task-based simulations for FAR because when I was studying for them, I would just minimize the task-based simulations. I said, well, they're just asking for journal entries. And I was like, okay, I, I can do those. But then in the exam, I found myself struggling <laughs> with those. So I think FAR was more challenging for me. And in terms of what I found most challenging, I'm a little bit like Brian too, because I mean, I work with people that I see they'll take their lunch break and try to study something. I'm not like that. I cannot study during my lunch break or during 30 minutes. So it doesn't just make sense for me. Maybe it's because of my habits down the years, but I need to be able to sit down and focus in a quiet place and get like three or four hours in. So the most challenging part for me was really just finding the time to study. And then once I got to studying, 
there's a tremendous amount of information to absorb and be able to selectively remember because not all of that is going to get, get tested in the exam. So I think that's the most challenging part for me while I was studying for the exam. Okay. Well, Michelle, what was the hardest part for you and hardest part and also just most, most challenging overall about, about preparing? Well, I think I kind of agree with Josie as to the hardest part. I think you have to be willing to sacrifice, if not all, the majority of your social life. I mean, you have to come to terms with the fact that studying is going to be hours upon hours upon hours for each each section. And that can get kind of draining at certain points. I think the hardest part or the hardest sections for me were kind of a tie between FAR and REG. FAR because it does have IFRS and you have to compare and contrast between GAP and IFRS. And then REG because I'm not a tax accountant either. So that was something I was not very familiar with and honestly not one of the classes I did very well in in college. So that was very difficult as well. I found the BEC and audit to be the easier courses only because audit made more sense. And BEC, even though the materials were from different areas, there wasn't as much material that you needed to cover. BEC, the book for that is like a quarter of the size of the ones for the other exams. So there wasn't as much material there that needed to be memorized. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to give a shout out for audit because I have my lowest grade in college in audit and I have my lowest grade on the CPA exam. <laughs> no one's mentioning audit. I, maybe I'm just different. I had a hard time with audit. Actually, Mark, just to piggyback off that, some interesting stats that I heard. I was helping a volunteer at the swearing-in ceremony for the, the TSBPA back in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And they had some of the statistics for people that had taken the exam as far as like the pass and failure rate. Interestingly enough, I think they said the average number of sections taken to pass all four was seven. And the section most often failed was audit. So sounds like you're <laughs> sounds like you're par for the course there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I yeah, most people, like, I mean, people have, like, really different experience. For me, audit was fine because I just got out. Audit was the first exam I took, and I took auditing. I, I mean, I was strategic because I, I took my auditing class during my last semester. So when I came off, it was still very fresh in my mind. So I really didn't have any issues with it. And that was the first exam I took. So an interesting statistics there. I'm, I'm curious how Brian remembered that. Did you write it down somewhere? <laughs> uh, I just, well, because I thought it was such an interesting thing, I shared it with the whole office in an email. So I kind of, oh, I, I actually okay. did have it written down. Okay. I just thought, I, I thought it was really interesting because just like you, I, I found, personally, I found audit to be the easiest section. So when they said that was the one that people have, you know, on average had the hardest time with, I was just, just generally surprised. Yeah. To me, audit became so much more easy once I took FAR. Because after I failed audit that first time, I studied for FAR and I passed on the first try and then I went on to audit and it seemed like now we're auditing what we were just testing, <laughs> all the financial statements. Oh. That really helped. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I, and I know that in the Rogers course, they tell you a certain order to take them in because once you build on the first two, they tell you to take FAR first and then REG and then audit and then the BEC last. 
because they tell you that what you're from the audit perspective, what you're really looking for are those items that you're building on from FAR. So it makes sense to take it after the FAR exam because of that interconnectivity. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Well, thank you. And Brian, thanks for that statistic. I want to make sure our listeners heard that. If you're not in total taken part seven times, then, then you're still not even at the average. You know? So don't, don't, be, <laughs> don't be dismayed. There's still hope. There's still hope. Yeah, there's well, definitely hope. I want to go around the room on this one as well. If you had to do it over again, is there anything you would have done differently? Maybe prepare differently, more time, additional material, any, anything you would have done differently. Michelle, what do you think? I think for me, it would have been to give myself more time. I took all four parts in 12 months, and mm-hmm. I kind of pushed everything. I didn't take breaks in between each section. I just went rolling from one to the next. And I think that could probably be important to kind of have a break, like a week at least or two weeks break between each section to kind of give yourself time to to recoup. Okay. What do you think, Josie? For me, it would have been to research how to study for the CPA exam before even attempting the exam. Because that really made a world of a difference for me once I picked up on some study tips and just looked online. All I typed in was how to pass the CPA exam. (laughs) And I found a few websites and it really helped me and it changed my way of looking at the exam. Because that first section that I failed the first time I took it, it took me a year to get the courage to take the exam again because I was so devastated from failing because that's not who I am and I'm not used to that. So it really hit me hard. But, you know, I had some motivation here at work and I did that research and I started studying again and in less time and I passed my exam and that's really all I needed to keep moving forward and just pushed until I passed all four. That's a good point. That is a good point. What do you think, Brian? So I, I will say hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I said at the beginning with Becca, you really get what you pay for. I went four for four over nine months while working full-time. So I definitely think it's worth the cost. I mean, you're, you're going to get what you pay for. But I think if I had to pay it out of pocket, I definitely would have looked at some of the other courses instead and done a lot more research into that. Because I know, I mean, it is kind of the, the gold standard, but that's not to say you need it to pass. I know plenty of people that have used Roger or Wiley and done the same thing I did. You know, went for, for, I have a friend who's working at KPMG right now. I think he's three for three so far in about four months using Wiley. So I definitely think if I was having to pay for something out of pocket, I would have done a lot more research into each of the different review courses as far as what they offer and, and really see what the benefit of each was compared to the okay. cost. Okay. Okay. Uh, by the way, I think I know who you're talking about, and I was thinking about asking him to do this, but I didn't want to jinx him on that last part. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that that would have been – he never would have heard the end of that from me. Yeah, that could have been bad luck. <laughs> what, what do you think, Claude? Anything you would have done differently or – yeah, I mean, I took, I'd, I'd echo well, what some of the candidates have said. I mean, I think I took a past mine in 10 months or something like that, and it was brutal on me, to be honest, because, I mean, I have a bunch of friends and in our community. 
we have a little community here for the country where I come from, Cameroon in Central Africa. So I was MIA for pretty much most of the time and everybody thought that I wasn't doing fine. But from time to time, I was just checking and say I'm doing all right because obviously it's a sacrifice to make for a little bit that would pay off for the rest of your career. So I'll try to give myself a little bit more of time if I had to do it again. And then on the study part, I think if I had to do it again, I would take the same course for sure, but I will study the task-based simulations more and attempt them more, especially for the FAR. That way I won't be less prepared for them. And just to piggyback on what Josie said about failing, it can take this thing out of you. I have a, a co-worker who works in a tax department here, and she failed it once. She took REC first because she works in tax. So, I mean, I had passed it and she... She asked for some advice, and I told her what I used and all that. She was using Becca, I think. I can't remember. But she decided to take tax first because she works with tax. So, I mean, she thought that it would be fairly easy, but she was unpleasantly surprised because she failed it. And then she said she would do it again. But (laughs) beginning, uh, I think on Monday, I saw her and I asked her, how are you doing with it? She said, no, I gave up. I really... It really took out all the power in me and I can't do it anymore. So she just gave up. So I'm just trying to echo what Josie was saying. It it can take a lot out of you, especially when you're already working and you think, ah, I don't need it anyways. I'm already working. Wow. That is hard. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the most important thing to come across. The most important thing I think is you go through so much just to get qualified to sit for the exam. I mean, there's so much education involved and so many different qualifications just to sit for the exam. And people can get discouraged because the people who sit for the exam are very smart, capable individuals. So, If you fail, you kind of take it personally, but you just have to remember it's not about you personally. It's just you have to keep going and you have to keep trying and and you will get there with enough study, with enough practice. You'll get to where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when I hear someone gave up. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's anyway. Yes. Well, Josie, you used the, note cards from Ninja as well. We were talking about that earlier. Did anybody else use anything from Ninja CPA review? No? Okay. Josie, what benefit did you get from adding that? And what can you tell us about that part of the program from Ninja that you used? I used Ninja multiple choice and their flashcards, but their multiple choice did, the test bank did freeze up on me a couple times, but they sent out emails stating the issue and that they were trying to fix it. The only issue with me was it was right around my study time. So it was, I really needed to access the database, but I used it as supplemental multiple choice and flashcards for reg because that one was such a beast for me with all the tax regulations, but supplementing the questions and different flashcards helped me just get a different perspective and new questions to keep moving forward with studying. Okay. I was curious because I've heard of other people supplementing whatever program they're using with the flashcards from Ninja. And I think they're priced really, really Really affordable. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so I I was curious how that worked out because I've heard of other people adding that as well. Well, one more question and then we will wrap things up. 
I want to go around the room and I guess tell me what I didn't ask about that you think our listening audience should know or for someone that's out there either thinking about pursuing the exam, thinking about how to study for the exam, about to take the exam, considering maybe the program that you used, anything you you think that you'd like to add that, that we didn't cover as of yet. Brian, what do you think? I think the most important thing for anybody studying, even more important than what review course you pick, is you need to make sure you have a support system. You need to make sure your your friends, your family, coworkers, everybody's on board and they know how important this is to you and they're there to help keep you up and keep you going. I know for me personally, having my wife there to kind of shake me awake because I would fall asleep trying to get through like a two-hour lecture, it was really helpful in just understanding that, hey, every Saturday I'm going to be doing this for six or seven hours and understanding that, okay, hey, it's something really important that I'm going to help out in any way I can. Um, so a support system, if you can find a study buddy, that's even better. Going back to, I think we had that theme of accountability early on. If you can find someone who's also studying, whether it be a former classmate, somebody at work, whatever, and you can both help to keep each other focused and motivated as you work through, you know, as you work through each of the sections. Wonderful. Josie, what do you think? What didn't I ask about that maybe you'd like to add? For me, it's Brian said the having your support system, most definitely I I wouldn't have been able to pass without my support system as well as my family there. But also there is a Facebook study group for each CPA exam section. And you can request to be added to the group. And they ask questions, people that are stuck on a problem. Some people go in and they answer the questions and then they start discussing the questions. I actually also found someone to study with from here locally from that study group. So that really helped me while I was going through the exam. And also, sometimes you just need a little break and going online, hearing other people vent also helps. <laughs> you feel normal again. <laughs> you get a little delirious while you're studying constantly for days. So that, that helped me out quite a bit. But I would like to say, just don't drag out the time of each exam. Take it, study, I would say like six to eight weeks, and then take the exam. The longer you take, to actually sit for the exam that you're studying for, I feel that the beginning information you learned is going to start dropping off unless you maximize that time. Okay. Okay. Misery loves company. I need to write that down. Mm-hmm. Misery loves company. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Michelle, what are your thoughts? What didn't I ask about that, that maybe you think is important? Well, the one thing I know we hadn't talked about when we talked about choosing courses is the fact that the exam changes every six months. And so it's important when you're looking at courses to determine whether the courses have kept up to date with those changes and how they may affect how you need to study and what materials may be different. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Good point. What do you have to add, Claude? What what didn't we talk about that is important to add? It's a tough act to follow. All these people, I think they've said everything. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely echo Brian's point again about the support system. I think that's tremendous in this case. And say that sometimes most people who are taking the exam have been out of typical school for a long time. So I think they put more emphasis on the review course and things 
<laughs> with the capitalist economy, which the U.S. is, everything is driven by sales and marketing. So everybody that is writing everything online, it's about, okay, buy my product because of this and that. Everybody's guaranteeing it. But like Brian said earlier, I think irrespective of the course that you take, if you study and put in the work, I guarantee that you're going to pass. If you take Becker, which is, I mean, they have the guarantee and you don't do what they do, you definitely fail. The same as you can take climb and study and put in all the work and pass. So I think what is most important is not the course that you're going to use to study, but how dedicated and committed you are. So first and foremost, you have to realize how big the sacrifice and the challenge that you're going to, to have is, and then you can know how to better tackle it and keep abreast also with the changes. Like now the exam has changed from when we took it. Now it's going to be a little more difficult because now it's more application instead of just testing what people memorize, you're going to have to apply what you learn. So I think it's going to be slightly more difficult. So it means that the preparatory landscape also will be different. So it's good to keep that in mind also while preparing for the exam. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys. Thank you all for for sharing your time on this. I I really hope and and expect that this is going to make a difference with somebody that's out there thinking either they they can't do it or they can't quite get through it or they're not sure where to start. I think think all of y'all have just really, really added a lot. And I'm going to piggyback on, on what you guys just said. It's a concept of delayed gratification. It's like spending money now or saving some of it to invest in the future, you know. You have to to put in the time now and and maybe not put in that time elsewhere for a short while, but but the reward is great. So it really it really does make a difference. And if you consider the the cost of not taking the exam, it's it's way higher than the cost of taking the exam because there's going to be that time down the road when you have all the experience that's necessary and maybe it comes down to you and another person for a promotion or for a leadership position and maybe just the fact that the person has those three letters after their name or some other three letters will be will be the changing factor i think that's when that cost is really going to come in so i think the sooner the better yes Yes, I agree. I firmly believe, obviously it depends on when you, when you become certified, but I, I can easily say it, it makes the difference in a couple hundred thousand in your career potentially depending on what you decide to do and, and could be yeah. much more. So thank you yeah. for adding that. Well, for our audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. I did want to mention, if you have not yet visited our home website, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. In the show notes for this particular episode, we're going to list links to every single review course that was discussed. So if you want to go ahead and do your own research and figure out what works best for you, you'll be able to hook up to it directly from our website. Once again, that's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. And on that note, I want to make one final round around the room. Any final thoughts or advice or or words of wisdom for the listening audience? Brian, what you got? Just remember, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So don't worry about trying to finish it as soon as you can. If, you you know, plenty of people get out of school, you know, go focus on their career for a year or two and then come back to it. If you can get it out of the way early, that's great. But don't think you have to. Beautiful. Josie? For me, it is do not give up ever. 
just keep trying and trying because you will eventually get there. I say every, every failure is just pushing you forward to your success. Just keep trying. I promise you, you can pass. I had a lot of challenges during my time studying, and I was able to overcome them. So I believe that anyone can overcome their situation as well. Beautiful. Michelle? Study and you will pass. I love it. Short and sweet. Study and you will pass. And Claude, what do you think? I'd say to whoever is out there thinking about this exam, just go for it. And remember, comfort is the enemy of achievement. Everywhere you're comfortable, there's no growth. So if you're feeling uncomfortable in the study time that you're getting or the time away from friends, just know that it's because you're about to grow into something. So just keep at it and it will eventually pay off. Very philosophical, everybody. Thank you. Well said. Well said. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us and for sharing your time. To our listeners out there, thank you for listening in because I know you invest your time every week to join us. And everyone, have a great week. Well, that was our special CPA exam review episode. I hope you were able to get a slightly new perspective from our guest on the study habits that it takes to pass the exam, as well as on all the different tools that are available to you. Please check out our show notes page at whereaccountantsgo.com. That's www.whereaccountantsgo.com, where we're going to be sure to have links to all the different review course options that were discussed on this episode. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.